Welcome to Healing Your Family Legacy, here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. Innovative, evidence-based recovery that helps to identify intergenerational trauma, allowing for freedom and embracement of the healing process. Today, Episode 73, Other Addictions, Part 2. And now your host, Dr. Donna Bevanley. This is Dr. Donna Bevanley, helping you heal your family legacy. Welcome back. I told you that next week that we were going to talk about what is normal in this people thing about people addiction. And so here we are. Um, so I, I remember, I remember a theme song from, I see, it was a pretty old movie now. It was new when I was young, but Barbara Streisand singing people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. And when that came out, I was pretty early in my professional life. And I remember even then thinking, what, why does that make you lucky? <laughs> like people need people. I don't know if that makes you lucky. And I've never quite understood that. That whole song is like, that doesn't make you lucky. It makes you human. We need other people. We are social animals. We are drawn towards people to mate with. We are drawn towards people to be friends with. You know, if you walk into a therapist's office, say, and there's not a, quote, click, you don't feel comfortable with them, or, you know, I've had people walk into my office that I just don't feel comfortable with. It's like, you know, there's something really basic. And I don't think it has anything to do with luck. It has to do with being human. And we do need human beings in our lives. You know, I've had people, you know, talk talk to me about the fact and being worried about this, that they only have a few really good friends. And I say, well, okay, if you have one or two really good friends that you see on a regular basis, that you talk to, that you interact with, that you, you know, visit with, have coffee with, uh, that makes you, that makes you kind of lucky <laughs> because most adults don't have a lot of, quote, great friends or best friends in their lives if they have a job, if they have a spouse, if they have kids, if they have a house, if they have, you know, church. It's like, these take up time, attention, and energy. And human beings, we still only have 24 hours in a day. And we, our lives are only so long. And if you've got these other things in your life, believe me, you just don't have time to nurture a whole bunch of friendships to make it feel like you have a good friend or five good friends. Who has five best friends when you're an adult? If you think you do, you probably have maybe five good acquaintances. I'm talking about the kind of friends that when you are in dire straits, you call them up and say, I need some time with you. Can I come over? Can we meet for coffee? Can we go on a walk? Okay. 
Those are good friends. Now, I know people who have maybe a best friend that they've had their whole life from childhood. And that usually requires you to grow up in the same house that you always lived in to never move, (laughs) to, you know, go to the same school, to be close, you know, like maybe you live close to them so that you're at their house or your house, you know, all those kind of things. And then you, you stay connected, but it still takes time, attention, and energy. And so I would say that having one or two really good friends that you can call, that you will know will be there for you if you are really in dire straits, that, hey, you might even ask for a loan, that kind of friend, right? Now, you know, I don't think I had those kind of friends in my life. I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of acquaintances over the years, but we moved a lot. So my best friend, what I call my best friend, was my uncle Jimmy. (laughs) He and I were the same age, and we did grow up together, even when I was gone and our family was on the road doing rodeos and such. He was always there, and we didn't write letters or any of that kind of stuff, but that was our home base, was our grandparents' house. And Jimmy, we were the best, we were the same age, and we were best friends. And so that's, you know, that's how you have a best friend, somebody your age that you are with on a regular basis, that you go to their house, they come to your house, you you know, and you stay connected with them for some reason. For us, it was, well, we were related. So we were, we were connected until the day he died. And I've said before, it's like, when my uncle Jimmy died, I lost my best friend. And that's just a fact of life. And I have other good friends. I have friends from when I was younger, when I was in high school, that I talked to once in a while, that I feel bad when they die because I'm at that age now, (laughs) where people I grew up with die. Um, And I now have acquaintances, new friends. Okay? But people addiction is that I need to have lots of people in my life that I can count on all the time. That would be a child reality. Children need that. They need their family. They need their friends. They are, you know, as you are growing, social development is a really important aspect of your childhood. And if you don't have people in your life where you can have that kind of connection, then you might grow up thinking that you're, you know, it's like it's an unmet need. And like I've said before, when I was talking about childhood trauma, it's an unmet need. So unless you deal with that and heal it yourself, kind of like become your best, your own best friend, (laughs) and then have social interactions with people. It's an unmet childhood need. And you keep trying to get it filled with other adults in your life. And trust me, you will be constantly disappointed. Because that's not an adult need. 
Adults who have had their needs met as children don't need to have a lot of people around them to feel safe and secure and loved and wanted. And again, does it have harmful consequences? Most likely. Because if you are trying to take care of a group of friends all the time, your children are getting what they need from you. Probably your work's not getting what they need from you. Your spouse is probably getting a little bit pissed off about all the time you spend with them. And you do it anyway. So, again, there's harmful consequences. And, you know, what happens when those people leave? Because they eventually will. They, they start to feel like, oh, my God, I have this person in my life who it's never enough. And eventually that person, you know, will drive people away. So that's what people addiction is. We need each other. We're human beings. We're social animals. We absolutely, we absolutely need each other. But if it's beyond, if it is beyond your normal, gee, I have these friends I hang out with once in a while or go out on a walk with once in a while and maybe one or two people that when you're in distress you can reach out to and oh, by the way, you're the one they're reaching out to. So that would be a best friend or your dearest friend and everybody else is an acquaintance. Going back to if you need more than that, you need to look at your childhood trauma and heal that. You know, I've had people in my life over the years that they weren't, you know, I thought we were great friends, but we weren't great friends. It's like every time they were around, it was like, I need, 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 need. There's not enough you can do for me. It's like, okay, so yeah, I don't need that in my life. Okay. So the next one I'm going to talk about is nicotine addiction. Probably don't need to talk about that very much, but if you chew or smoke, you're you're cutting yourself, you're cutting years out of your life. You're ripping off your family and your own self. Because we know now that nicotine, whether you smoke it, whether you chew it, where they just hold it in your mouth, will kill you one way or another. And believe me, if you have a nicotine addiction, it will be hard to break. It's one of the hardest. Caffeine, nicotine, we call those everyday addictions. Okay? It's like I have to have my cup of coffee in the morning. It's how I start my engine. And I'm a little grumpy until I have that cup of coffee in the morning. But I only have one. Okay. It's like, I know people who drink that all day long, and I can tell you right now, they're addicts. But, you know, caffeine, if in mega amounts, will impact your life. Okay? But people have a cup of coffee or two during the day, and they don't have it in the afternoon. They're not addictions. They're, you know, it's just like, you know, if you have a glass of wine once in a while, you're not an addict. But, you know, here's, here's how you know if you have a caffeine addiction. Are you listening? 
<laughs> there are harmful consequences. I can't tell you how many people say, I just have so much trouble sleeping at night. I have trouble getting to sleep. I have trouble staying asleep. When was your last cup of coffee before you, before you went to bed? Oh, it was about four o'clock. Well, I had some with dinner. Well, I'll let, let you know right now, you're not going to sleep much because it's a stimulant. If you have two or three cups in the morning, it's probably out of your system by the time you go to bed at night. But if you have coffee or a caffeinated drink after noon or say one o'clock in the afternoon, you will have trouble getting to sleep and you might have trouble staying asleep once you get there. It's so simple. Just don't complicate it. It's that simple. So stop. Now, what happens when you stop ca drinking caffeine or massive amounts of caffeine? You have withdrawal symptoms, and one of the first ones is a headache. You have a headache. You feel grumpy. You feel grouchy. You feel out of sorts, maybe for a couple of days. But it's better than losing sleep because I already talked about how important sleep is. Without sleep, here's one of the things that happens in your brain. Okay. Besides the fact that it doesn't get any rest. And when your brain doesn't get rest, the rest of your body doesn't get rest either. So without rest, let's take a computer. If you never deleted anything from your computer, left it on all the time, so all those whatever in the Ethernet is operating on your computer, all right? So you don't delete anything. You leave it wide open so crap comes in all the time. You get as many apps on your computer or as many functions on your community as you can get. And you keep that going. What do you think happens at some point? It will crash. <laughs> it will get all fuzzy and weird and all of a sudden nothing, right? That's what happens to your brain when you don't sleep. Why? Because one of the really important aspects of sleep is dream. When you dream, your brain goes into REM, all right? Rapid eye movement. And when it's in rapid eye movement, it is literally deleting information that you never need. Okay. Information like, uh, okay. So before I started this today, before I started taping this today, um, I walked into my living room and I saw a woman on the TV because I'd forgotten to turn off the news. So it was just on mute, but I saw this woman on TV all dressed up weirdly and it caught my eye. Okay, that's just one of the micro moments of my life and yours, by the way, everyone's micro moments where something catches your eye or you hear something or you notice something or you trip over something. Something happens where your sensory system logs it into your brain. All right. And. That will be one of the things that gets deleted in my brain, either tonight or tomorrow night. Now, if 
that never happens and all of those things that happen that are absolutely irrelevant to you, but because you're a human being and you've got all this, all these senses operating all the time and a lot happens during the day that you're not cognitively aware of, meaning that your frontal lobe isn't thinking about and and problem solving about or interacting about or, you know, it's like if that's not happening, then that stuff is going into your brain and it's just banging around in there, filling up space. And that's the stuff that is deleted from your brain when you sleep. That's why your dreams are usually pretty bizarre. <laughs> Because it's not stuff that you may not even be aware of, but your brain has got it because of your senses. So, how important is sleep? That's one of the big ones. And when you sleep, your body rests. Your muscles need a rest. You know, I know this. Not just because I read it and I listen to people, but I know it because I experience it. It's like, I am 71 years old, and in order to keep my body strong, I have to lift little weights. I don't lift big weights, okay? But I lift, you know, 8 to 10 pounds weights. And I and when I first started doing it, I did it every day because, well, I'm an addict, so I'm going to do it every single day, and I'm going to do it perfect, and I'm going to, you know... And so what happened is that my my muscles ached all the time and they weren't working right and all this. And I finally talked to my son who does this and he's really good at it and teaches other people how to do it. So why is this happening? And he said, you must rest. <laughs> rest those muscles. Only do it three or four times a week and then rest them. Okay. Same thing. My calf muscle. For those of you who haven't heard this, I tore my calf muscle and it grounded me for many months. I'm back on the trail, I'm happy to say, but I said to my physical therapist, I said, how did this happen? And, and he says, well, you know, what do you do? And I said, well, I was hiking every day. That's what I worked all those years so I could hike every day and I could hike between, you know, seven and 15 miles any day. And he said, too much. I said, too much? How can you possibly hide too much? Your muscles need rest. And so now I've been in withdrawal. Well, I was in withdrawal from hiking when for the first couple of weeks that I was grounded because my calf muscle was torn and it was, I couldn't put weight on it for eight weeks. But now I, you know, I'm perfectly fine and I could start doing that again. But I force myself to only do it three, four, three or four times a week. And it's hard because it's something I love. And when I'm out there, there are no harmful consequences. Oh, except when I tear calf muscle. So, okay, you catch that? So nicotine, I kind of got off the track there because exercise was in that too. I don't think I kept that, but you can be addicted to exercise. Um... So with nicotine, you will have withdrawal symptoms. You'll feel crazy. You will feel like, you know, every time you see a cigarette or whatever it is you're smoking, that you'll want that right away. 
and your your body will want to go. It's like, give me a hit off that, or you know, let me can I bum a cigarette or whatever. It's like, okay, nowadays if you smoke cigarettes, unless you're really really wealthy, it is taking your money away, and that is a problem. It is a harmful consequence. And then we could talk about heart disease and lung disease and mouth disease and nose disease and face disease. And, you know, you will, this will cut your life. It will cut years out of your life. Stop now. Now we even know that smoking causes people to have secondary smoke addiction or secondary smoke disease. I had a really good friend who died of lung cancer who never smoked a day in his life. His mother and father smoked. He was around it all the time. And, you know, you don't know whether or not that's going to happen to you. You don't know if all that secondary smoke we all grew up with <laughs> at least in my generation, will impact you or how it will impact you. But I'll tell you, it does. And that particular kind of lung cancer is more deadly than people who smoke. They're both deadly. You aren't going to get away from that. And I know I, you know, my grandfather, when I was a very young child, my, my grandparents all loved me. You know, a lot. But I had this one grandparent who died when I was about three years old. And I remember him very well because he adored me. And, you know, the very few pictures I have of myself when I was that young, he's in them holding me. He loved me. And he died when I was three. And sometimes I think, wow, I wish that he would have been still been alive. But here's, I'll end with this little anecdote about my own life. I, I had a guy come in my office many years ago. And as soon as he walked in the door, before I even knew who he was, really, I knew his name. But I immediately felt this affinity to him. I mean, I felt this really strong attraction to him and this affinity, not a sexual attraction. I just... I wanted him to stay in my office. <laughs> what the heck is this about? And after about the third time, when I, I, now I said it out loud to myself, what is this about? And I realized he smelled like a combination of cigarette smoke and it's that old, that old time uh, aftershave something about the sea or the ocean. Old Spice, thank you. He's so great. <laughs> You're so great, Dave. Um, so Old Spice and cigarette smoke. And I remembered that that's what my grandpa smelled like, cigarette smoke and Old Spice. And now, even now, when I smell that, and I don't smell it often, but I have caught whiffs of it, I immediately think of him. That's how strong, you know, that's a, that's a, what we call a body memory or an, and an emotional memory. 
because I don't remember him smoking and I don't remember him putting on Old Spice. <laughs> but boy, oh boy, it takes me right back there. So if you smoke, please stop. If you chew, please stop. It's ugly when you lose your jaw. And it's, it's ugly. Don't do it. So on that note, we will end today. I have a big one next week, though. Religious addiction. So I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healing Your Family Legacy here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax-deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com support. Healing Your Family Legacy is copyright 2022, Dr. Donna Bevanley, all rights reserved. Our theme music is composed by Dave Croft and used with permission. The Experience of the Soul podcast channel is a production of 818 Studios.